All right, all right. Welcome, welcome. Hello, hello, hello. Fans, friends, viewers, people, Shabab, Anat, everyone. Welcome back to episode seven in your bi-weekly Hekifaldi discussion, entertainment, media. Uh, I want to start off with a little preface to this episode because I haven't been this excited for an episode ever. And that's, I swear to God, well, that's true because this guest we have, we got a lot of history. We go back way, way, way when. And there's a lot of things that happen, a lot of, a lot of uh, missed life between us. And when we started this episode, or not this episode, when we started this podcast, it was always about sharing stories, talking about the things nobody's talking about, getting the perspectives that you don't hear and you can't hear anywhere because there's no platforms, there's no one be able, there's no one to go to to be able to voice any of these concerns or opinions and perspectives. So this here is why we made it. For stories like our guests, and um, everyone, I guess, want to welcome our guest, Hassan Kunda. Hey, thank you. It's an honor. I'm glad to be here. Was that good? Or was that, was that a little Hollywood? <laughs> was that a little much? I mean, well, I'm going to start handing out autographs here in a little bit. So, <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Welcome to the show. I had to practice saying your last name, Kunda. Sometimes I have to practice saying my last name, too. What so. does that mean, bro? I actually looked it up one time. <laughs> And the only thing I got was it translated to seller of sweet meats. So I feel like it's pretty relevant. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? Like God had a plan for me. So. Are you serious? I swear. <laughs> and then like my mom's side is hash hash, and I'm like so like potheads and prostitutes. Yeah. And here I am. Hash hash for life, bro. For life. <laughs> that hash-hash. What do you know about that hash hash life, man? I'm not a hash hash, bro. I'm gonna smoke weed. <laughs> okay, what does mekbil mean? Yeah, what do you do? Uh, mukbel. It means accept look. Oh, that's ironic. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this is gonna be a good episode. Oh god. Okay, um, <laughs> just two quick caveats before we begin. Um, I'm sure you heard of the New Zealand massacre that happened. Yes, unfortunately. Um, so on this episode, we would like to not give like just. Um, kind of like a moment of silence to all the victims and to all the suffering that um, has happened. We just wanted to kind of pay respect to um, all the families and, and the victim and extend our strength and companionship to them. And Absolutely. I mean, my heart goes out to all those victims. Yeah. And it's almost sad in a way because I'm like, you know, this is modern day, and I don't want to say martyrs, but with this event that's happening, it's bringing awareness to what's really going on in the world and how anyone can be a terrorist, anyone can be a monster, anyone can be a bad person. It's not, you know, mm-hmm. correlative to one group or a certain type of person. And it's just so sad that so many people had to die and children that were just going somewhere to worship and to praise, you know, God and to share love into the world. I mean, I know, like, the last words... Um, one of the people in the in the front of the mosque said was welcome brother before he started yeah, exactly. shooting. Right, right, yeah. You see that in the video, yeah. So um yeah, I mean I definitely my heart goes out to all those victims and it is it is tough times out here, but I think, you know, through what you guys are doing and what everyone else is doing to try to, you know, bring awareness and acceptance into the rest of the world and show them our side that we are people too. And I think it's kind of the guiding light to all yeah. that darkness going away. Mm-hmm. I watched a video with 
someone whose wife was killed at the masjid. And he said, I don't hate the killer. I have forgiven him in my heart because I'm sure something happened in his life. He was hurt in a way and he was traumatized in a way that forced him into these sort of like uh, troubled mindset or incoherent thinking patterns. And that's what it's about, understanding. Moving forward with understanding. And our second caveat for today, we've never really discussed anyone's like sexual orientation or their sexuality, but there's a stigma behind it. And there's a reason why we have this podcast and we need to dissect these issues, talk about them, bring them to light and see if we can find a way to spread the word, spread the message and spread positivity and love to, to yeah. people and make sure others are educated of how others feel and how they want their life to kind of play out. We want to be clear because we, we're getting some, there's some emotional things happening. <laughs> we haven't even shot the, yeah, the right. episode, right? It's never about right or wrong. Like, we're not here to decide or to judge. We're not here to tell people what they can and can't do. It's always just about sharing stories so we can come to see different perspectives and hopefully reach understanding. So with that said, you know. Hassan. <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> Is that how you pronounce your name? Yeah. Kanda? Kandah. Kandah. Yeah, like you just drank something really good, like some tea that no one brought. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm supposed to bring tea. And when I said I made the tea, my mom made the tea. <laughs> and I straight up brought the kebabi. To be, fair, to be fair, they weren't even going to bring tea, but because they were Arab time and they were an hour late, they tried to like make it better. Like, we'll bring tea and snacks, and I don't see nothing here besides water. So, as expected. <laughs> he, he said snacks. I, <laughs> I wasn't aware of that. I offered to bring pistachios. No one replied back to me. So, here we are. Carry on, gentlemen. Uh, you know what? We deserve that. <laughs> <laughs> we deserve that. We're going to edit it out. <laughs> edit it out. We're not closing this one. <laughs> well, okay. I want to I start with, dude, how have you been? Because I haven't seen you in years, 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 years. Been years. Been years. Um, I mean, I'm doing good. I mean, I can't say that, you know, my life is very different than most out of people because I do kind of exclude myself from most, like, Middle Eastern affairs like weddings and mm -hmm. family reunions and you know just the late night talking crap and politics drinking coffee out of little cups moments that Watching I used wedding, to have wedding videos talking <laughs> shit. <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly uh, practicing our dance moves for the next wedding so it's been a while you know but I do think that where I'm at in my life and who I am as a person I'm very very proud of myself um, I think that I've come very far um, mentally emotionally I wouldn't say physically. I could probably work out a little bit better. But the other two, I got down pretty well. well um, <laughs> I want to, bro. Let me, let's rewind like 10, 15 years. When I was over at your house, you were a chubby little boy. I was fat. <laughs> I think my nickname was Fat Boy. It was very clever. Whoever came That's up it. with that one. <laughs> These kids, man, they're geniuses. They are. I remember going to your house and watching you play roller coaster tycoons. Yeah. Four hours. And this dude had the most elaborate shit going on. I know. I feel like if I would have had more friends growing up, I probably would have sucked more at Roller Coaster Tycoon. But. Um, pretty bad. Do you remember that? <laughs> pretty you remember? Yes. I remember watching you like, damn, Hassan's dope. Dude, I'm out here building stuff. I used to love that shit. So, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, basically, yeah. We, I mean, I grew up with you. We were when we were younger. We used to play all the time. I remember playing video games. Um, I mean, yeah. as Middle Eastern people, we have lots of cousins. So I definitely still reach out to a couple of my cousins. And with the newfound knowledge of who I am, some have accepted it and still talk to me and hang out with me. And the others don't really have anything negative to say. I don't think that I don't think people want to be like mean people in general. Um, but it's just one of those things where you just don't talk about it and mm-hmm. everyone kind of just exists in their own bubble. We all sin differently. So I think that if someone would want to say something to me, I think they need to count like their own eggs in their baskets too. And so I think people are very humble about that. Um, in my family's case, at least. Wow. So that's what we want to unpack because a lot, a lot of the viewers probably don't know what happened. And well, I, I don't know what happened. I missed a lot. Yeah. So if we can unpack that and, and dissect and like start from the beginning, if you want to shoot, Matthew. Um, okay, where do we... So, I mean, we wanted to kind of like, you know, s- set the stage. Um, are you comfortable talking about these things? The... I mean, I think it's a little too late, so we might I mean... as well just <laughs> set the stage. <laughs> I just want to make sure we're on the same page. If you're comfortable, like... I mean, you know, you're, you're here, this is going to be public, this is going to air out. Hundreds of people are going to listen to this. Um, so why why do you think this? I mean, not why, but like, um, how do you feel about coming on on a podcast and talking about your um, your sexuality? I think that I've been an advocate for my own personal life since my journey started. Um, I have no problem elaborating on any questions people have for me. I think it's better. For for people to understand who I am as a person mm-hmm. and kind of understand where people like me come from. Um, and just basically understanding that who I am, I was created solely under, you know, a God who I think loves me. And I just want to let people know that I don't feel any less of a person being who I am. And I don't feel ashamed telling people that if they feel that way, that they're wrong. So. Um, all my life, all my life I had to fight Harpo, (laughs) but no, um, I just think it's real life. We're all people, we're all fighting different things and, you know, whether it's, you know, self-esteem issues, body issues, sexuality, um, just, you know, family issues, you know, my family has gone through the ringer. My parents, you know, are divorced, split up. My dad started another family. Um, I'm gay. So like there's to me more that I'm more concerned about, or I think about more than my sexuality. So this is just like something small and minuscule for me to talk about, honestly. So I'm feel I feel very comfortable with any question that you have. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's see, that's crazy. It's it's to you obviously not a big deal. To other people, it's like wow. You we can't even talk about it. This is like this is hecky folly. This is right. way too taboo. So the the difference there is crazy. So when when did you know that you were? I would say honestly, like I really remember knowing when I was like five, in preschool. Not that I like ever thought of guys sexually or any girl sexually I just remember always having like crushes on my guy friends and being like where are you guys going what are you doing and stuff like that um I think that's kind of where I kind of knew and then there was a definitely a point where I was like probably in the third grade and I remember being like I'm gay and this is really gonna suck and I you know not to get too deep but I remember no, let's get deep. My family's super religious, obviously, as I'm sure most of ours are. And I remember being, like, nine years old and thinking, like, I'm going to have to lie for the rest of my life. I'm going to have to have a wife and kids that I'm probably not going to like. And 
I'm going to have to do this to make my family happy. And I remember thinking that, and I think it was so detrimental to me and as an adult to think about that for so long that it put me in a place at the right time when I came out for me to say, this is who I am, this is who I'm going to be, and I'm not going to put anyone's happiness before mine. So you were conscious very early. Very early. It, like it was, crazy. It was haunting. I feel like every day I woke up and I was like, how do I sound straight? How do I dress straight? Like, and I really wasn't that good because people would always ask me if I was gay and, or ask my brothers <laughs> if I was gay, and I'm just like, damn it. i to go back to the drawing board. Got to wear FUBU. <laughs> When, so, you, when you're building those roller coasters, I was like, how does somebody be gay? Yeah. This, I mean, that's well, a windy gay. roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a straight roller coaster. That one goes up and down, bro. Oh, shit. You so got like... me. I was like, I left all these clues, you know? So how did you, how, how did you reconcile, like, being that and still being yourself? It was really hard. I mean, it definitely wasn't easy. I think that, you know, I love being a huge part of my life and being religious and I mean I wasn't my parents told me that I was haram to chew gum I didn't chew gum at night they told me it was haram to whistle at night I didn't whistle at night they told me it was haram to sleep on my stomach like you know like little dumb things and I'd be like oh my god I can't sleep on my stomach haram to chew gum (laughs) dude I don't know I think think they just didn't want me chewing gum like you know they just started using that like Santa Claus I think it was because a couple times I got stuck in my hair when I fell asleep so I'm I'm, I'm on to them (laughs) now But so like, yeah, they would just say everything's haram and I'd always be like in constant fear and anxiety. And I was like, man, if that's haram and they're worried about that, then I can never tell them that I'm gay. Um, Yeah. But. So you kind of had to hide. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. And it wasn't just my family, you know, like it wasn't very accepted in society and American culture either. I mean, um, in school, I didn't want to be known as the gay kid. I wasn't really interested in, you know, a boyfriend. I didn't want any of that I just knew that I was not a heterosexual I just knew that I was not attracted to women I like to this day like all I have a lot of really beautiful great friends and I don't ever find them sexually attractive I find them very beautiful and intelligent and I see them through there as people and I feel like in the same in the same retrospect I think people think like gay straight that it's just like sex and reality is I think what you see in someone else and what you can relate to or what makes you feel comfortable Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's yeah. the biggest stigma about it. I'm surprised that you, that you were conscious that early. Do you think that's the norm? Absolutely. I have a lot of lot of gay friends. I have a couple Muslim gay friends, you know, here in St. Louis too. There's not many of us that are really out, but um, to the people I talk to, yeah, a lot of people. I feel like, first of all, sexuality is a spectrum. Um, and I think that gender is a spectrum, too, as you can see in modern day, um, even dating way, way, way back to, like, ancient Greece and things like that. And so it's not anyone's place to say, like, what is right and what is wrong or how you feel is not right or wrong. Um, but I feel like on that spectrum, there are people who I've, you know, like both. Some people only like women. Some mm-hmm. people only like men. Some people... Um, like women, but every once in a while they have too many drinks or whatever. They don't really care. They're more open. So, like, it's hard to, like, pinpoint exactly on the spectrum where everyone's at, but I do truly, honestly believe that um, people who are gay are born gay. I 100% believe that. Mm -hmm. I feel like if that wasn't the case, why do people sound gay? You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Like, as much as I wanted to hide it and didn't want to be gay my whole life, I sounded gay, I acted gay. So... I didn't want to be gay, but I was gay. And that was the one day I had to face myself in the mirror and say, 
this is who you are. Like, if you don't accept this, you're going to be running away from yourself for the rest of your life. And for who? Not for you, but for society, for what other Arabs who mm-hmm. really don't even care about you anyways until they find out that you're gay mm-hmm. are going to think. Because the reality is I moved out of my parents' house before I came out of the closet. And um, my family members were never really, like, concerned of if I was eating, if I was sleeping, what I was doing. And I feel like the minute that I was gay, it was like, Hassan's gay. Oh, my God, you heard about Hassan. I have cousins in New York. I don't even know about, like, talking about me. Yeah. And I just find it so crazy that, like, no one cared before, but now this one thing about me, this person you don't even talk to, mm-hmm. has, has such a dramatic impact on them in a negative way, which is, is very unfortunate for them. I'm sure it spread like wildfire. It did. Can you take us through the process of finding that courage to come out and how did you go about it? Like what, how did you? Um, honestly, I, I, what it really was and I think there was a point when I, it was between the time I was 20, I'd say 23 to 20, 20, uh, 22, 24-ish, you know, in that realm um, where I was like, I was out of, you know, high school, uh, I was doing school, then I dropped out of school, then I was working full time, and I was so distracted that I never really had to think about it or like be concerned about it. But then there was a point where I'm just like, someone's like, you've never dated anybody. And, and I'm sitting there, I was like, damn, I haven't. And I was like, I don't think I ever will. And then the thought of like never being in love or talking to someone was like daunting me. I was like, wow, that's super sad. Like no one wants to die alone. And then I was like, well then the only other option is for me to be myself and hopefully find a partner um, through me being open. And um, I got really, really sad and depressed for a while. I was like, it was a year. Like I remember like not wanting to leave my house. I'd be at work and I'm like, I just want to quit. Like, I don't know why I'm here. And it was because I was suppressing all of those feelings. And I kind of, like, hated myself. I thought that, like, God hated me. So I finally, I remember walking into a, like, Earthbound Beyond store or whatever, and there was this stupid scroll on the wall. I'm looking at, like, salt lamps, and I look up, and it's like, Buddha's like, no one in this world deserves to be more happier than you or something like that. And I was like, you're right. So I think Is that was sparked. I it? seriously, I can't like. I wish I had like. I think within itself, it's quite magical, really. <laughs> but I looked up at this little printed scroll, and I was like, I do deserve to be happier than anyone else. Like, my mom was a prearranged marriage. She's crying in her whole wedding video, you know, and she wasn't happy. She wasn't. She had five kids that my dad pumped out of her that she kind of really didn't want. Like, she, no one really asked. And like most women that get married in our culture, no one asks them if they want all these kids, and they get thrown into it so young. I'm 27. My mom had th- had me at 27. She was on her third child. Yeah. You know, I'm over here trying to just make sure that I send my bills out on the right date. And, you know, and I, I, know. I can't I, even imagine. I, I fucking think about that a lot. How growing up could be. So, yeah, eventually I was just like, I wish, if anything, my mom could have made the choices she wanted to make to make her life happy, whether if it would have meant me being here or not. And I, I thought, like, if I can think that for my mom and I can think that for my dad, my brother and sisters, that they deserve their own happiness and no one should stop them. That if they, for some reason, didn't feel that way about me, then that would make them the monsters or the not Muslim Islamic people that they say they are. Mm-hmm. Here's, I want to get into a point you made because you said you d- you dated nobody. Yeah. You, I'm, that's, I'm surprised because even straight people are going behind their parents' back yeah. and dating. So why did you decide not to even hide it from your parents? And go dating behind people's backs or your parents' backs. I guess I wasn't willing to accept myself, so like oh, okay. I I wasn't 
I didn't want to say I was gay. Like, I remember the first time I ever said I was oh. gay out loud. I was like, that's, like, unreal that I said that out loud. And um, I think that's the biggest reason. Like, I, I wasn't ready to be gay. I was so afraid of going to hell or yeah, whatever yeah. the you know, consequences of being who I am was that I was just like, forget it. And then one day I was like, well, what if there is no hell? What if there is no heaven? What if, you know, some parts that we read are misinterpreted or they're just ignorant? And I was like, I live today. I live right now. I live in a society where we actually, you know, wear deodorant and we can be educated and we can read <laughs> books. And so I'm not going to listen to people thousands of years ago. You I know, like how you first went to deodorant. <laughs> I mean, deodorant. that's a very big, big part of society these days. No one, no one wants anyone that smells. Um, that's facts. But yeah, I, I just basically had to tell myself like, these people and the things that are telling me that I'm wrong. Who are they? How educated are they? What do they mean to me? And ultimately, I chose myself. And I will continue to choose myself every single day as long as it's in, you know, good value. Like, that I'm doing good and I'm being a good person. I never thought about it. Like so that. how did your family react? How did your friends react? <laughs> okay, I'm asking because who did you go to for, like, did you have, like, a, a person? Did you come out to your friends first? Come out to your family first? So me coming out was, like, unintentional, really. I remember I applied for this uh, bartending job and like it was some gay bar or something and I like was like oh man I wonder if I'd get this job and then I got it and then I was like well damn this job I can make really good money out of and I would have so much fun with it and I said but I have to make an ultimatum now like I have to like say no to this job and keep hiding and not tell because I was hiding from my parents for like a little bit you know like not telling them anything but I'm like if I get this job everyone's gonna know you know so Wait, um, it because it's you got alcohol and liquor, or because it was a gay bar. Like, oh, it was a gay yeah, bar. Like oh, it was just obvious at yeah, that point. Yeah, yeah. So I did what any natural adult person would do. I didn't tell my parents and ran away, and me <laughs> <laughs> and hid all my problems under the rug, and For pretended sure. to yeah, pretended that they didn't need to know. And so like I made a new Facebook. I remember making a new Facebook and like starting this shop. And I was adding my friends back onto my Facebook uh, gradually. So they would just see it. Like, I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to have this conversation over and over again with people. I think people kind of always knew that we're my, were my close friends. Um, so when I made my Facebook page and they're like, oh, a lot of my close friends were, like, were just like, you know, we're happy for you. And we're supporting you no matter what. I didn't have anyone really, not one single person disapproved of me being gay or stopped being my friend, except for, like, my family members. Which so is, I want to clarify, how did the Facebook page, did you did you put like sexuality was gay or that you working at a? Well, I was gay posting bar? pictures of me like, you know, like at where I was working, and then I was oh, I had okay. other friends that were gay that I added on there and that would like post stuff and like, snooping isn't hard these days, bro. Yeah, like you know no, what I mean. I, <laughs> I get it now. <laughs> you can Everyone, click on anyone's page and get a synopsis on who they are. Yeah, everyone's sharing everyone's photos. Exactly. And, yeah, I get it. So you you just said. Everyone was accepting except your family. So yes. what did that look like? To me, um, at first it was really like disheartening, but at the same time, like it wasn't something I didn't expect already. Like I kind of already expected that reaction from them. Um, but I told myself, you know what, this is who I am. And if they love me or they want to reach out to me, they can reach out to me. They can make that move. Um, eventually, like my little sister reached out to me and we talked 
and um, she was okay with it. I mean, my sister is like 21, you know what I mean? She lives in a right. day and age where like, who cares, you know? Because for, for the audience context, you have a sister and two brothers. I have two older brothers, two younger sisters. Two younger sisters, and then a dad and a mom. Yeah. And so you're the youngest reached out to you? No, my sister Aya, who's 21, and I'm so I'm 27, she's 21, so we're six years apart, and then there's still the one that's like, I think, 17. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, uh, she reached out to me and she's like, um, because I had a friend at, from high school that a teacher that was her teacher, and she's like, Is your brother gay? And so my sister reached out, she was like, What's going on? So I told her, She's like, Oh, I knew it. That was it. Like, we're like, it wasn't a big deal at all. Like, yeah. we just laughed, and I still, I like hung out with my sister two days ago. Like, we're very normal, nonchalant. Um, my sister's engaged. Her fiance, I talked to him. He doesn't care. He's like, I think it's so weird that your family's so weird about this, which I think is very progressive considering he lives still in Philistine. Um, and then my brothers, my oldest brother doesn't really care. He's kind of like the black sheep of the family, anyways, and he doesn't like really play too much into the culture. Like he moved out really young and stuff like that. But then um, my brother, that's right above me. He acted like he didn't care. We actually moved in together for a little bit. It was probably a couple months. And then every time we would get into an argument, he just kept bringing it up, like, oh, you're gay. Oh, that's why you're gay. And it's drama, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, I'm not living with you. Like, I gave him the benefit of the doubt, thinking, like, he wanted to try to be accepting. But ultimately, I think with the way our parents taught us how religious we were and how to, like, fear God and everything like that, my brother, I guess, in his head thought he was going against God by accepting me. And I think that's the biggest issue that uh, Muslims have these days is that. Because with my mom, I love my mom to death. And we'll go out to dinner and we'll talk, but we never talk about this. She knows. She's hip. But I don't want her to change. I don't need her to accept that about me because I know that she was raised a certain way and her religious Mm -hmm. beliefs are a certain way. And I can't make her just change all of that because I'm different, yeah. you know? I All I can really want is her to just embrace me and say, I love you, you're my son no matter what. But I don't need her to say Bob that Bob. homosexuality mm-hmm. is okay or it's mm-hmm. not haram. Like, yeah, yeah. that's not my goal. My goal is to just be me and explain to people that I'm a human being and I'm a really good person and that this is just the cards that I was dealt. It was not a choice and it's really no one's fault. So there should be like no like ill feelings or negative feelings towards it. See, that's a lot of empathy because you see your mom as all the dogma and then the enforcement of yeah. values. And you see that, like, hey, I would be like my mom if I grew up like my mom. Exactly. It's it's hard. To, it's hard to, like, make that transition of being angry. Like, I want to be upset. Like, you're my mom. You're supposed to be here. You're supposed to support me. You're supposed to have my back. But you don't. But then at the same time, I'm like, well, this is how she was raised. You know, just like when you said that guy forgave that man for shooting his wife. Like, it's the same concept. It's we're all just trying to exist and be accepted for what we are and who we are um, without people really trying to govern what is right and wrong to Mm -hmm. us. So you talked about your mom. What about your dad? I do not talk to my dad at all. Um, I think, honestly, it was way before the whole me being gay thing. My dad um, was an amazing father growing up. He really did instill some really great values in us. I can't say that he was a bad person I remember him just always being like be kind to people he was always the peacemaker in our family when our families were fighting um he told me and my brothers like like your brothers like you guys have only each other and he gave us he gave me a really great backbone to who I am today around the time I turned 13 my dad went overseas and got remarried behind my mom's back without us knowing 
and then brought his wife back overseas, back to America. I think my mom found out like roughly a month or two Ooh. later. Yeah, oh, it's like super, super out of deep stuff going on. So after that, uh, my mom was like, "We're this, we're done. This is it." Like, so my mom took us and like we, my uncles helped, you know, my mom out and stuff like that. And then my brother was working as well because um, he's a little bit older than me. But after that, like, we didn't really talk to my dad for a while. Like, my mom was like, he is not a good person. We don't like him. We, like, just cut him off. He would, like, try every once in a while, like, to call us or, like, you know, like, an aid. be like, here, I want to give you guys some money. My mom would be like, no, you know. So, like, my relationship with him was kind of cut off already. Um, and so, like, when okay. the whole me coming out of the closet thing happened and he was, like, upset about it, I really, honestly, I just laughed. I was like... I love how that is a concern. That's such a big concern for you, but you wasn't concerned when you like started a whole new family right. and left and stuff like that. And so that goes back to me saying like, we all sin differently in our own ways and no one is better than the other person. What my dad did was, I mean, obviously it impacted my childhood greatly, impacted my sister's childhood, you know? Like we didn't have it, we didn't see our dad for like probably four years. Um, and that was his fault and no one faulted him and no one attacked him and no one made him a bad person. And I feel like it's just strange that like when I'm being gay, like all of a sudden now he's like, Oh, that's not my son. He's gay. You know? Right. So I can forgive my dad and I have forgiven my dad actually very fully. Um, he is who he is. He's not a bad person. Um, he just is ignorant mm -hmm. to his own ways. And I guess to the ways of other people. See, I think that's a really good point. Cause you're saying, him leaving, I mean, imagine like the trauma and the effects on the family and the struggles. And we all know that's a sin. And at the same time, like, it doesn't matter like who you are. Like, if you leave your family, that's a lot of trauma and hardship on them. But we pick and choose exactly what we decide is what's better or what's worse. Yeah. For no reason, for no logical reason. Like, I think that people do that, whatever religion or whatever you are, people always pick and choose what fits best into their mold. I mean, it's the same thing with uh, pro-life. Like, um, we don't support abortion, but we're not going to help the kids that need homes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you can pick and choose what you want to see, and um, ultimately you have to reap what you sow, and you have to go to sleep with yourself at night, and you have to talk to yourself and say, am I doing the right thing? Am I a good or a bad person? Or... You know, or not. Or maybe you're just a narcissist and you don't care. Mm -hmm. But that is not something that I feel like I need to dwell. I don't need to let that to toxicity live in with me because people can't accept me for who I am. Mm -hmm. And you're not worried about your father because he left. Exactly. And he's like it almost in a way made it easier for me to come out because I feel like with that family structure kind of already broken, I was like, screw it. Like, yeah, I'm just going to do it. I feel like it would have been harder if my family was like, super like together and close and like Hassan where are you come over for dinner and blah 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 blah. it'd be, it'd be almost impossible for me to to come out to them yeah so like that actually made it easier for you yeah and i and i take I that still yeah i take that and yeah i take that in, like as good insight like everyone's life has a path and i feel like with all the things in my life that were negative i was so much more positive um and so yeah i'm not not mad it's just, uh, it's just learning every day. So what are some of the struggles that you, you faced with coming out? Uh, with my, like in general, with my family? Just, and Just in general. I think the biggest struggle is having to re-identify yourself. Mm -hmm. 
And, uh, you know, you it'd be like you switching ethnicities almost yeah. in a way. You're like, oh, do I need to eat more hot dogs and macaroni and cheese? Like, my, are my friends watching me eat this hot dog? What, I didn't put mustard on it, you know? <laughs> so for me, it was recreating my identity. And, and I was like, yes, I, but I'm me. You know what I mean? So at first I came out and I was like, woo, I'm gay, rainbow, pride, our rights matter, blah, 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 blah. And then, like, over the past, like, two, three years, I'm just like, all right, I'm gay, but I'm Hassan and... You know, like, I'm still going to be an asshole if if you're annoying. Uh, You know, like, I'm still going to be the same person. I just, you like, it's like, I always make this analogy to my friend. And I'm always like, you're you and I'm me. If you like broccoli, eat broccoli. I'm not going to ask you about your broccoli. And I'm going to eat cauliflower. Don't ask me about my cauliflower. You know, we. it's like, it's just this unspoken thing that, like, we're just people. And I don't need, I don't need to, like, have a banner that says I'm gay and I deserve to be here. I feel that. So that's enough for me. Mm. So would you change anything differently in terms of how you came out? No, definitely sweeping it under the rug and running away was the best option. Um, <laughs> and then letting it unfold, you know, <laughs> just like, I was just like, Let's, it was easy. It was easier that way because I felt like I wasn't pressuring my presence on anyone. I wasn't trying to say, accept me. I was saying, this is who I am. And if you so happen to lift the rug and find out who I am, you can either, you know, leave the, the rug unlifted or you can lift put the rug back down you know and that's that was oh. my approach on it because if you you come out then that you force yeah the controversy onto them it's like when people knock on your door and talk to you about jesus you're like <laughs> no one wants that in your face like do that over there bro like that's cool but you got, you got these metaphors <laughs> on deck Just well yeah i do i do i got a whole bag jesus <laughs> so me during our last few episodes the topic of marriage always comes about okay um especially like us being this kind of age um our parents are always like you know pushing especially out of families are always pushing us right. to get married have your mom or anyone from your family ever pushed marriage? bro i can't bring a girl to the house every time i bring one girl in the house my mom's like what about this girl i'm like mom we've been through this no, just, just <laughs> no i know i know in general, in general yes like, like yeah i'm saying like in general every time i bring a girl to the house she's always just like well, you should hack. marry her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, all right, there's like three things wrong with this whole conversation. <laughs> yeah, what's her credit score? What's her dad do? Um, no, I mean, yes, my mom, at this point, my mom has stopped. Before, it was just kind of like, she thought I was like maybe going through a phase or something. And she would always bring me like, when are you going to get married? When are you going to get married? And I'm like, I'm not going to get married like anytime soon. Um, with that being said, like, it's funny to me because our parents got married so young. And I always wonder, were they happy getting married that young? No. Do you know what I mean? So why would you push that agenda on your children? That you All you wanted was to come to America for a better life, to put your kids through school, to get a career, to be financially stable so that they can have children, that they can provide more, so that they don't have to work 70 hours a week, you know? So it's just crazy how, like, we have the vision for the dream and we have the momentum, but our parents always somehow find a way to try to halt it, to try to bring back these old cultural ways, which um, I'm not against. Like, I love I love being Middle Eastern. I love my culture. Um, but I'm also very progressive. And I feel like everything in life that lasts and is successful is progressive. Okay, so it's funny that you said I was thinking of a way to, like, ask you that question of, you know, I was talking about like how being out of is kind of being backward, like all these hacky and like discuss like all these like negative aspects of of being out of. 
can you like name a few things that you think that are positive in, in being out of here? Oh like, my god, so of? many things. Yeah, I mean, honestly, when I think of out of, I don't think of anything negative. I think within our own community, when we say out of, it's like a joke to us because we're just like typical out ups. Didn't bring no shag. <laughs> An hour late, like the Arabs, yeah, like yeah, like that's what I when I say Arabs. But when I think of Arabs, I think of like sense of community. I mean, bro, we don't have to be related, but I'm telling you, like back in the day, if someone was picking on another Arab, we were like, all right, we're tag teaming this dude. You know what I mean? Like we had each other, we had that sense of community. The fact that we're all probably related probably had a lot to do with that. But um, yeah, like we, I grew up, we didn't grow up with. American white friends. We had slumber parties and hung out with them. We hung out with our cousins and our cousins' cousins. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was our friends. That was our community. And I think that was the best part about being in the out of culture is, like, we have each other's back. And you and I'm not saying white, black. I'm saying an American culture. People aren't like that with their children and their friends, you know? I feel like what we have is very special and it's very great and it's um very, we're still very much in touch with our roots, and I think that when we have children, we're going to pass those values on too. But having out of culture and like being Islamic or having these views are very different to me. I feel like I am gay, but my culture is out of. Um, if people want to say he's not Muslim because he's gay, then that's on them. So I don't like to intertwine the two. Uh, but I, mm. I feel like in a whole, like us as Arab and our culture and who we are, aside from the religious parts of it that sometimes try to govern us or make us feel a certain type of way, we are a really great community and we're really great people. Um, I mean, that's why we're here right now. I think that's the, like, the culture is like a double-edged sword where because everyone's alike, we all are unified. And at the same time, we kind of get stuck in a dogma in certain rationales because of that. But it's, like, refreshing to hear, like, that you have so much passion for your culture. Yeah, I do. I really do. I mean, I wouldn't change it for anything. I I always, like, my friends always joke around. They're like, well, if you could be another ethnicity, what would you be? And I always think, I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I'm pretty damn handsome. I like my skin color. <laughs> like, I got these eyebrows. They're pretty rocking. So, yeah, right? <laughs> That's real important. Yeah, right so now, I'm like, I like, I mean, I like, I like me. I like my culture. I like being out of, you know, I wouldn't change my name. You know, it is a part of my identity is who I am is what molded me to be as strong and confident as I am to this day. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's almost liberating when people are like, you're gay and out of because I'm doing a service to straight out of people. I'm showing people that, yes, you can be out of and you can be gay and you can be a part of society and you don't have to be afraid. I'm breaking down the walls of women have to cover their hair, they can't show their face, they can't do this, men can't do that, you can't wear this, you can't wear gold, you can only wear silver, like, things that, like, I think us growing up, like, masculinity versus femininity, and femininity, and what people see as Arabs, like, when I say I'm a gay Arab, they're like, wow, like, I, they, they look at me as progression, you know? Does it empower you? It empowers me to see that I can make people change their perspectives, the fact that they're shocked, mm-hmm. and I think is what really empowers me. In your opinion, is it like an acceptance from the Arab community? I guess millennials, like or people in our age group, do you think they're more accepted of? Absolutely. You know what? I feel like more importantly, people in our age group are going through their own battles and mm. what they want. I mean, the fact that like we can get married outside of our own race now, and like mm-hmm. it's okay as long as they're you know Muslim and stuff like that. Right. I think that's very cool, and I think that. 
when I look at Arabs my age that were born in America, I look at them like everyday like Arab Americans like us. Like I'm I'm gonna talk to you the way you're gonna talk to me and you're not gonna use violence, you're not gonna say that's haram, you're gonna use actual words to describe or to combat what I have to say. So I feel very confident in that sense and I wanna hear I wanna hear why people my age might still have an issue with it, you know? So earlier you talked about you have I'm not sure if they're Arab um friends who are also gay. Yeah. Are they Muslim or they are they Arab? They're uh they're Muslim. They're Muslim? Yeah. They're not Arab. They're, I mean, they're Muslim Arabs. Also, they're Arabs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are, are they Christian Arabs or are they... Just, no, they're Muslim Arabs. They're Muslim Arabs. Okay. Um, do you feel like you guys have, like, a community there? Do you... Are they as open as you about it, or are they... I feel like, honestly, they're as open as I am. I see them out in the same kind of club scene environments, and, you know, I'm Facebook friends with them. I see the stuff they're doing. They're very open with who they are. They're not hiding who they are. Do I feel like a sense of like community with them? No, I mean, <laughs> I don't really have. I see them. I don't. I'm not f- like hanging out with them and stuff like that. But when I see them, I'm like, hi, how are you? And like, we have this kind of understanding of like, We're yeah, on the same page. yeah, we made it. You yeah. know, if you could like, now that you've been through all that and you you understand what it's like going through all that, and knowing what you know now, what do you think about moving forward? What would you like to see changed? What would you like to see different? Is there hope? There is absolutely hope. I think, again, looking back, being in the third grade and thinking, I'm never going to ever be gay. I have to keep this secret inside me for the rest of my life. And me sitting here right now, I think is proof enough that there is lots of hope in this world. And I feel like the hope isn't something that people can necessarily give but something that you create within yourself it it's that drive that tells you that you belong you are who you are you're allowed to feel how you feel as anyone should whether you're a man woman gay or straight you know you are an entity you're a person you're a soul and your voice belongs to you and no one can take that from you and i think some of the greatest leaders in history use their words to make the biggest impact and change um that we see today so I'm definitely yeah, a firm believer. I feel like voting for you. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. I have a lot of feelings. That's good. <laughs> okay, just switching gears a little bit. So we we talked to this um, Arab parent a few days ago. And we told her like that we're going to meet with, with you. We didn't, I mean, consider your identity. But we feel like, you know, what, what this episode is going to be about and stuff. And... She wanted to ask you two questions. Um, hopefully she'll listen to this episode whenever we air it. Mm-hmm. But her question, her first question was, did your environment as a little kid, did it have effect on your sexuality? Did the people that you hung out with, were they yeah. straight, were they gay? Um, did yeah. it have like it's, an effect on who you the, are? That is nature versus nurture. Right. Um, that is a very valid question that I feel like a lot of people ask me or kind of have that kind of question. They're like, I think like in in the, in the darker era, they're like, did something happen to you as a kid? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. No, it didn't. Um, did you I hang out? Nothing. Nothing <laughs> happened. Maybe a, a ketla. You got yeah. a little <laughs> yeah. too hard. Exactly. It was that damn wooden spoon with the holes in it. Um, I'd be so, so gay, dude, if that was the case. We're all gay. Um, no, my environment had nothing to do with it. And I and I rule 100,000 
you know, as God is my witness, say that I was born gay. I knew I was gay as a young age. I just believe that that was my destiny. I truly think that environmental situations can affect other people. I mean, we all kind of watched the Escaping Neverland documentary, but I don't think that's really necessarily um, a driving point to someone's sexuality because I feel like, if anything, you would steer away from that. You'd be wanting to get away from the trauma that your environment caused for you. Or, um, I mean, at the end of the day, like, I don't think it's a choice. Yeah. If it was a choice, I would have chose not to be gay and made my life so much easier. On the point you just made about trauma and moving away from it, I was listening to an episode about with a PhD psychologist on YouTube, and he talks about he was trying to help a, a woman lose weight, and he looked, they got her down to like her perfect weight, right? And she goes to the subway, and a man hits on her, and she gains about 150 pounds back that year. Looking back in her history, she was traumatized because of sexual oh, abuse. Wow. And that triggered the trauma, and she went back into her yeah. her comfort of eating. So there's a lot of validity when it comes to, like, yeah, if, if you were traumatized, would you move towards the trauma? Exactly. Or would you away from the trauma? That's an interesting thought, though. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I definitely don't think it was a product. I grew up in... North County, St. Anne, like, <laughs> there wasn't any other gay people. So, um, it's, yeah, you it, weren't, like, watching it's just really. funny to me because it's like, we watch, I've, I've been watching straight people on TV for how long? Every Disney movie is a prince and a princess. Like, I'm not straight. I'm not, like, I've been watching that for so long. And I feel like it's funny because people are like, did you know any gay people growing up? Or, did, you know, and I'm like, no, it just, it's just how to cook your crumbles. I feel like if we were all heterosexual and we were all reproducing, the world would be overpopulated. So, if this is the way that, you know, things have to kind of balance themselves out. I think everything mm-hmm. works in nature for a reason. There's no mistakes in the natural code. So to expand on that, because you've obviously, you've studied lots of different philosophies and religions. Sorry, my mic is cutting out like all the time. So you study lots of different philosophies and religions and you've looked at different perspectives. How do you reconcile being born gay and Reconcile that with Islam and your beliefs that you've been bred up with. What does that look like in your head? It was really hard. I mean, I, I think I spent the whole half of this podcast talking about how I didn't come out of the closet because I feared God. You know, I thought, like, in my head, he's like, he knows he's testing me. Like, he made me gay to see if I would be gay. You know what I mean? Like, to see if I would act on it, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff like that. And, like, this whole time I'm thinking, I'm like, this warrior of God that has to, like, not have to pass this test. And the whole mm-hmm. time I'm, like, slowly, like, digressing and disliking myself and feeling these feelings of like it's easier just not being here and I never was suicidal but I think I want to touch on that only because of this is that there are so many people I know that are people that are gay that can't come out of the closet to their families and they choose to take their own life before trying to express their life in another way Mm -hmm. and I think it is so important to family members and people out there to know like with your disbeliefs and how you feel is it worth someone losing their life over? Are, are your values more important to you than someone's life? Mm-hmm. And how does that base you in place with your religion and your beliefs as a person? Because when, you, when you're not allowed to express yourself authentically, I'm sure it feels like a prison. It is. It is a prison, and people snap. People, uh, like, you got all these crazy mass shootings happening and things of that nature, and it's mm-hmm. because... 
people are so repressed that when people ask for help or when people want to explain who they are and just be human and have that kind of natural communication with someone and say, this is me, understand me. You know, I understand you. I forgive you, forgive me. And then that person can't. It just goes to show you, like, it. sometimes it can either go two or one way. It's like, it's like um, you know, you can be the good wolf or the bad wolf. So you can go around just destroying everyone else because you were destroyed, or you can go around helping everyone else and stopping those people from destroying other people. Like that metaphor again, man. I know. You're I just <laughs> I like to read. Has it again? He's like, guys, I didn't practice any white <laughs> Has 15 yeah. metaphors just ready to go. Well, no, because you said people ask you these a lot. Yeah, I mean, and I ask myself these questions a lot. I've had this interview with myself every single day for 27 years. Yeah, wow. Do you know what I'm saying? And I have to ask myself every single day, like, do I regret anything? If the the red and the blue pill, like, if I if can I turn back time? If I wasn't gay, would I would I not be gay? Would I stay gay? The answer is I would stay gay. If I could make a choice right now, and conversion therapy was absolutely real. The person who I am today, and the kindness that I have in my heart today, and and what I want to do for the world, what I want to see for the world comes from what I went through. And so taking that all away from me would taking, be taking away my identity of who I am. Mm-hmm. So, so well, anything you would say to someone who's struggling with their sexuality? I would, I would definitely say if you have an issue with your sexuality, first of all, trust no matter of, don't tell nobody nothing because they're going to snitch on you. <laughs> Second of all, find you a nice white friend that goes to a separate school and, you know, communicate. There's also hotlines. There's people you can call. Like, you know, you can, shoot, you can inbox me. I have a lot of insight. I'm just saying, like, there are so many things you can do and so many people you can talk to and you shouldn't be afraid of who you are. I feel like the worst thing ever is just, like, it's literally, and here's another metaphor for you. It's like swallowing poison and expecting it to affect everyone else. It's only going to affect you. You're going to keep bottling that in and you're going to hate yourself and suppress yourself. And the reality is, I think, which with Islam, I found so many good things in it, even though I felt, like, so attacked by it. I think that's what people should do with themselves. Like, are you a bad person? No. Like, list all the things that are great about you, and then you put on the other hand, I'm gay. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. irrational. No, aside from your sexual orientation, your sexuality, just okay. talk about Hassan. So Goals about and ambitions. Me. Goals and ambitions. Um, you know what? I really. That's a really tough question. I feel like everyone gets that question. They feel like they're supposed to have this answer, like, I'm going to have this career. I'm going to do that. And then by this time, I'm going to go here. And by this time, I'm going to do that. I think that with me having to, like, ask myself so many questions about myself throughout my life that my only, like, ambitions and goals are to be happy and to do things that make me happy and to that inspire me. Like, I just went to Thailand for four weeks and backpacked, you know, and that was, like, the first thing that was, like, so scary to me. Um, and I made so many friends and I saw so many different kinds of people and it like triggered like this spark in me to just like, there's so much more I got to say. There's so much more I got to see. There's so much I have to learn about myself. Um, so like ultimately, like I just want to be a more enlightened and better version of myself every single day. You know, do I have my fallbacks? Yes, sometimes. But, you know, in retrospect to that, I just think that I want to, to try to grow and I want to reach out to people. And I want um, the world to just kind of to keep excelling the way that it is excelling and to, like, see through the crap, you know. You have people that want to build a wall. You have people that want to blow up mosques. But then you have pe- you have way more people that are like, we're not building that wall and we're going to stand outside this mosque to make sure no one gets hurt again. Mm-hmm. So I just want to be a part of whatever that energy is or whatever that force is. Very well said. If you could drop the mic. You... <laughs> no, they don't bend that way. Remember? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Laura's going to kill us. 
I think you've opened my eyes to the fact that your struggles have created so much empathy and perspective in your life. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, I guess saying it out loud now, it is it is crazy that I took that direction with it because I could have gone so many other directions. Yeah, it could have went bad. You could have taken it but negative. I have so much support from the, like the community that I'm in now, and I have so many what friends. What are you in now? Um, just my friend, my friend group in general, like uh, the people that I meet and. Um, what are they like? Are they like the? I mean, are they diverse? Are they? They're very diverse. So I have. Um, Two African American roommates who are completely straight, and then I have a mixed roommate who is bisexual, mm-hmm. and so we're this. It's so funny because like looking back, I'm just like, what the hell? Where am I, like, how am I friends with these people and stuff like that? But they're honestly some of the best people I've ever met. I, they, I feel like I have a home out of home mm-hmm. with my friends. I, you know, we've been living in this house for like a couple years now, and um, even my friends, my coworkers and stuff like that. I, I n- never ever feel not good enough anymore. Um, being surrounded by them. And I feel like the biggest part about me is kind of why I distance myself from my family is that I always had the sense of not not being good enough. I'm not doing it hard enough or I'm not trying hard enough or I'm not making enough money or I'm not putting enough effort, you know, to visit and yada, yada, yada. But I feel like in this community, I feel like everything I do is good enough. Almost in a sense where I get cocky, I'm just like, I know I'm funny, guys. Like, shh, you know. But um, it's such a great feeling and it's it's so good to see the turnaround. And I think the reason I'm so empathetic is that like God had a plan for me and he must've felt really bad for me because he gave me some really, really good friends. So um, like I'm in a great place right now and I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I and I think with the art of community, I only hope that I can grow and be able to have that same experience with them too and show them other cultures mm-hmm. can be just as loving and just as kind, even if they show their hair or even if you take a shot at Jameson every once in a while, like we can't judge people and we're all basically mm-hmm. a part of this huge community and we gotta make it with each other. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, you got two friends here, man. I appreciate that. If your dad was listening to this podcast right now, what would you say to him? <sighs> man, that's tough. You know, it's really crazy because um, subconsciously, I guess I think about it a lot because I'll have dreams sometimes where I'm like talking to my dad and I haven't talked to my dad in probably wow. four or five years. Wow. And um, like vivid, 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 vivid conversations. And I remember the last one I had was what makes you so much better than me? Mm -hmm. And I forgive you. Wow. I just got You you said that to him in your dream. Yeah. Like literally. And I remember waking up and I was like almost going to cry. I'm like. Why haven't I ever said that to him? Like, I, I don't have the courage to say that to him. I honestly don't, in a way, feel like he does even deserves that, but he does deserve that. Yeah. He deserves to know that he raised, semi, raised in a really amazing person. And whether he sees for me for who I am or who I'm not, the rest of the world sees me for who I am, and he should be proud of me. My, my dad passed away um, this past summer. I'm sorry. Uh, and one thing that I would kind of like take away, like, you know, our, our parents are not perfect. You know, we're not perfect human beings. And if I can like, you, you know, rewind back time, I would, you know, just be a little more honest, tell him about like what I'm going through, like open up a little to him a little more. And I, I can't have that, you know? And well, I'm not like, it's not like an advice, but like closure is good. Yeah. And you know, letting that your conscious conscious be clear 
and like knowing that your your heart is like you know at peace and happy is like the best feeling in the world I agree and I think that's why I subconsciously always have those dreams because I just I really want to have that moment and I guess I just it, that moment never really just falls for me like it doesn't and I think that the day it does the day I the day I do see my dad, I will make it that moment, you know? And I think that um, if it's not today, tomorrow, or a year or two from now, hopefully, you know, he doesn't pass away before I have that moment. But I feel like I can't reach out to him mm. to give that closure to myself. I feel like it would just end in a non-healthy way. I feel like it would do the opposite of what I'm trying to achieve. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, for me, it's just like, I, I there's no way I can ever, like, yeah. rewind back time or, like, or have that conversation with my dad. And I feel like it, people who do have their dads in their life, it's, they're like, okay. I agree. It's a, it's a privilege. It's, it's something that you can't, like, take for granted. Yeah, I have a lot of, like, unhealthy relationships with, you know, my brothers, uh, my dad, and stuff about that. And, and honestly, mostly it's because I'm gay. I think, mm -hmm in a sense like I don't know if they're embarrassed or what or if they'll even listen to what I have to say you know but I feel like sometimes I've noticed that if I'm in a situation that's very like malicious or toxic that sometimes it's best to just you know stand away and kind of let that energy come into your life when that energy needs to enter your life. I never want to be a person that forces my energy into someone else's life. Uh, my beliefs or interpretations of things all i can do is really exist and um hopefully he can hear me one day or mm -hmm. want to talk to me about it mm -hmm. and i'll be here and i'll be forgiving and um it'll probably be like one of the best days of my life hmm. yeah yeah i mean the like the whole father mother uh, relationship and that bonding with them is is such a weird concept because I feel like they owe you something in life and you owe them something back and knowing what you owe them and what they owe you and how to go about it is just it's really hard to like understand and comprehend but um, you know some some people are they know exactly what they need to do and what not to do and some people just are just comfortable with it so Knowing that is is very, it just it it just put you at peace. Is, yeah, is what I'm trying to say. I completely. I mean, I completely agree. I just feel like, um, you know, when you battle with yourself for so long and you're defending yourself from yourself, from people that are supposed to love you, um, when you finally come to terms to embracing yourself and and being in the light, that you just need to keep yourself in the light. And you know, sometimes. And I completely agree with you. Like, the closure is amazing, and it's wonderful. And I've reached out so many times, mm -hmm. and I'm hoping that one day someone will want to reach back out to me, you know. And there's – I feel like so many times where people are constantly giving themselves to people, and then they never, ever get anything in return. And I'm not necessarily asking for anything in return. I'm actually very complacent not getting anything in return. I think – them not saying anything is more of an answer than anything. Yeah, yeah. No answer is an answer. So I just, I don't want to belittle myself or um, yeah. take away from the strength that I have by constantly feeling sorry or feeling the need to... To validate. To, to validate who yeah. I am, mm -hmm. you know? And so I just don't, I don't want them to think that 
I don't want you weak or you, that you need their validation. Or I need or their validation need, yeah. or yeah, or that their validation ha- is must be must in be. some way correct because mm-hmm. I feel bad about something, right, right. you know? Yeah, yeah. You're you empower who you are by being who you are. Exactly. You yeah. feel like you're in a position where I've done what I can. Yeah. I've reached out. I've done enough. I've forgiven them in my heart. I'm here when they need it. I got to move forward and keep yeah. it with me. I got to I got to look towards the future and not the past. I exactly. And I mean like like I said, I love all my family members very dearly. I mean th- I mean they're my family, obviously. But um you can forgive and I'm not going to forget and I won't forget who I am, where I came from. I'm not going to forget the things I went through. And I feel like being who I am and saying what I want to say is just the most empowering thing for me. And I don't want to have to feel like my voice is being taken away by people who don't understand me, mm-hmm. whether that's my family or the rest mm-hmm. of society. So, I mean, for me, it, it was, for me, it was a little different. I was, like, so involved in like the cultural mm-hmm. um i guess arab when i was when i was in palestine and then i came here and everything was like super religious and then finding that balance between like being arabi and then mm-hmm. being muslim was just like super oh dude hard. yeah i can only and that's like me too like i i'm like i'm american like i believe in all life rights human whatever make a choice vote but then I'm like, I'm also out of, so like Americans don't take me seriously because they're like, you're actually Middle Eastern. And then I, Middle Eastern were like, bro, we, ain't t- yeah. we are not taking your ass in. You know, so I'm like, I'm in this purgatory stare. I'm just like, you know what? Fuck all y'all. I'm just going to post on Facebook ignorant shit. You're going to like it. And I do. We're ending like that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys. This, was inter- this is the most entertaining. This is the most insightful. We appreciate you guys. And we're out. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum.